Food bloggers, hi, how are you today? Thank you so much for tuning in to the Eat Blog Talk podcast. This is the place for food bloggers to get information and inspiration to accelerate your blog's growth and ultimately help you to achieve your freedom, whether that's financial, personal, or professional. I'm Megan Porta. I have been a food blogger for 13 years, so I understand how isolating food blogging can be. I'm on a mission to motivate, inspire, and most importantly, let each and every food blogger, including you, know that you are heard and supported. Sometimes I record interviews with people who make me forget that I'm recording an interview. I have to pinch myself a little bit and get back to business. This is one of those situations. Amanda Pollock from amandapollock.com joins me for her second interview here on eBlog Talk. This time we have a conversation about the fear of rejection, that thing that we so often feel as an entrepreneur. This discussion gets deep, it is insightful. Amanda brings her experience with being a performer and an actor to the table and talks about how that rejection has led to so much growth in her entrepreneurial journey and business. I think we can all relate to that fear of being rejected, whether it's stopping us from pursuing a cookbook or another big project or publishing a blog post or reaching out to a peer. The fear of rejection is real And I really hope this episode will help you work past it and just do things anyway, despite those fears. This is episode number 501, sponsored by Rank IQ. eBlog Talk is thrilled to unveil the eBlog Talk Accountability Group, an exclusive community made for food bloggers who crave accountability, focus, and connection. We understand that not everyone is ready to dive into the Mini Minds group or the Masterminds program. That is why we've crafted this special offering for bloggers like you who want that extra push toward their aspirations but aren't yet able to make the financial or time commitment. Here is what the eBlog Talk Accountability Group has in store for you for this low introductory price of $34 a month. This ongoing membership has its own private Slack channel. You will gain access to a dedicated channel facilitated by the community manager at eBlog Talk, Taryn Soli, for questions, insights, and collaboration. You will get weekly accountability check-ins so you can stay focused and motivated with those weekly check-ins in Slack to track and achieve your goals confidently. You will have access to productivity focus sessions. Join these optional live Zoom sessions twice a week to boost your productivity by working alongside your peers and tapping into that collective energy. And you will get monthly group Zoom calls replacing the former Clubhouse chats. Join these calls to connect, discuss current topics, share experiences, and celebrate achievements. Those calls will be hosted by me, Megan Porta, and I can't wait to see some of you there. If this sounds intriguing, head over to eatblogtalk.com forward slash focus to sign up today. Eatblogtalk.com forward slash focus. Amanda Pollock is a cookbook and food memoir coach. Her work has been featured by Cooking Light, Time, Southern Living, and Food and Wine. She is a proud member of Cherry Bomb, Lay Dom, and the International Association of Culinary Professionals. Amanda lives in Nashville, Tennessee, but a piece of her heart will be in California forever. Amanda, so good to have you back on the podcast. How are you today? Uh, Megan, I'm so good. I'm so excited to, to be here again. I've been looking forward to this. Same. We're going to talk today about the fear of rejection, which Mm -hmm. sadly can apply to so many people listening and their businesses and their lives and many different aspects of those things. 
but we'll get into that first. Do you have another fun fact to share with us? <laughs> I do. So my my new fun fact <laughs> is that I have been skydiving, but I really only did it to prove my sister and my now brother-in-law wrong because they said I wouldn't do it. So yeah, that was like a, a bucket list thing. I would never do it again. Oh, interesting. One and done, huh? <laughs> it was awesome, though, because like, honestly, like, I didn't know too much about it beforehand. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I didn't really know how it would be. And you think like, oh, in the movies, they just you you jump out of a plane, you don't. Right. Yeah, it's not like that. But people also said that if you didn't want to jump, you didn't have to. That's also not true because they, they have push people, you out. <laughs> they have people behind you who need to get out. But I will say just like as a, you know, a bucket list thing, it was an awesome thing to do. You kind of don't think up there either, which is also a really nice thing if you're an overthinker and you just enjoy the ride. But yeah, it surprises people because I also am terrified of heights. So Oh my gosh. Well, I don't want to hijack your um, fun fact, but my husband and I, we actually met skydiving. We are skydivers. So we have lots and lots of skydives under our belt. So I hear all of that, all of what you're saying is true. Like you don't think you have, my husband used to be an instructor. So he has literally pushed hundreds, if not thousands of people out of the plane because they're like, wait, at the last minute, I don't want to do this. And he's like, yes, you do. One, two, three. Yes. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious because <laughs> I have a DVD of, you know, when yeah. they used to be a thing, of my jump and one, they are like pulling my fingers from the bar. Yes, the they do. Yep. And putting it on my chute and then it was the one, two, three. And then I just remember at that three when you, cause you know, you push forward. So you do this like natural roll. And like, I was looking away at the plane and I was like, this is so cool. Oh, and then it, you know, there's... 30 seconds. I, that is, see, that is a fun fact of yours that, yeah, that is well, super cool. It was a long time ago. <laughs> I haven't jumped in years, but my husband, he's way more impressive than me. So he has like 4,000 skydives. He's done it 4,000 times. And most of those are taking other people on tandems. Mm -hmm. So yeah, he, oh, he has so many stories. There's only one person of all the tandems that he's done that literally would not go, would not jump and insisted on flying back down with the airplane. Oh, But everyone else he managed to push out. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Like, well, it's, I don't know. I think it's also just such like a great metaphor for life. It is. There's so much there, isn't there? I mean, it kind of, yeah. But I'm glad. I'm glad I did it just so I could at least say yeah. I did it, but I would be scared to go again. Yeah. I always tell people if you have even the slightest desire, inkling to try it, just try it. Just do it once. And mm -hmm. if you want to do it more, great. Do Keep doing it. But I think it's so, it's such a good, like you said, a good metaphor for life. Like you have to get you have to do it. Like you committed, you don't mm -hmm. have to, but yeah. once you commit, you're going to do it and you're in the plane, you're terrified. You have no idea what's about to happen. Mm -hmm. But then once you jump, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest, weirdest, strangest thing I've ever done. And then when you get down, it takes you a while to process. Like, what did I just do? It's an experience to remember though. Oh yeah. Like, I think that's also just such a good 
and when you like think about life, there's these things that like we build up in our heads of, sure. I could never do that. That's too big. That's too monumental. And then I remember, cause we actually did it for my sister's birthday, like a group of us. And afterwards, like you're on the ground and like the processing is such a huge thing because it's also like, oh, I thought I'd feel really different, you know, or I don't know how yeah. I'm supposed <laughs> to feel. And then like, so I, yes, I, I think that that's also a great piece of advice for anyone. Like if there's a big thing that you're really scared of to mm. go for it, because honestly, like you're never going to know unless you just do it. I know people ask me all the time about like, how did you start a podcast? Because I was a super shy kid and like talking to people was not my thing. Mm. So people who know me are like, how and why did you start your pod? Like, how did you find the courage to do that? And I always say it was skydiving because I realized skydiving, like if I can jump out of an airplane <laughs> and be not just be okay, but love it and thrive and be happy then I can do anything in the world. And that is always my answer. So anytime I'm afraid of something, I think back to that first time that I jumped out of an airplane and I think, oh my gosh, if I can do that, nothing, nothing matters. Nothing can get in my way. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just got chills as you were saying that. Oh. I love that. Oh, look at our fun fact. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Your fun fact <laughs> tied in so well. Okay. So let's get to the topic, which yeah. it deals with fears, a different kind of fear. Mm-hmm fear of rejection, which I touched on earlier. I think we all can relate to this on some level. And I don't like to say that, but it's true. And I know you have kind of a history of, you have an acting background, right, Amanda? And you have a history of just experiencing rejection with that and how that kind of led into your business, that fear of rejection. So can you talk to us about all of that? Yeah. So I was an actor, did improv and sketch comedy. And that entire business is built around people judging you on pretty much a first take. And so you have that just kind of built in. And then on top of that, you know, I really started in like live performance and that is an audience just right in front of you when things are really going bad you can feel it. So it's very different now than, you know, you put something online or you put an email out and people are like, no, not really interested. No, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Because when you're on stage and you're like, this isn't going well. Yeah. And you have to just continue getting through it. I think that honestly, it just, it reframed a lot of things for me because one of the things that you have to do is like you have you have to go back up on stage. So if you're in a play and it goes bad one night, it doesn't matter because the next night you still have to go back up. With improv and sketch comedy, you can't really like stop <laughs> the show either. Right. So you have to pivot, like especially with improv because it's unscripted. You have to pivot and you have to figure out a way to make it work or just get to the end. And I think that's something that's really helped me with all of that is like the work I do now with helping people with their cookbook proposals and the writing process is that, you know, just because something, someone says no, or someone isn't into whatever it is that you're doing, because also like 
you know, some people go to plays and don't like them. Some people go to musicals, don't like them, or, you know, that type of comedy isn't their style. Just because someone isn't into it doesn't mean that it's not good. And you just have to keep working on it and just keep showing up. And honestly, it's, it really just comes down to the showing up. But I think that that's like a huge thing for most people who want to do anything that's just a little bit outside of themselves. Which is everyone listening, right? Because like starting a business is so scary. Starting a business on your own where you're lonely and really like a lot of us don't even know what we're doing when we start. And there's so much potential rejection just waiting for us out there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, the fact that you've started people listening is awesome. So you've gotten over that fear and now you're here and understandably, there are probably more fears of rejection kind of looming. There always are, right, Amanda? I mean, I feel like once I get over one, like, okay, I tackled that. I'm good. I I don't fear that anymore. There's always something else out there. Yes. I was actually having this conversation with someone recently just about getting older. You have new insecurities. <laughs> like, yes, you think you get to a certain point in life and you're like, no, everything's totally great. And (laughs) then you're like, whoa, you have a conversation with someone and something comes up. You're like, I didn't even realize I was insecure about that. But yeah, yeah, like even, you know, starting a business, you know, in the beginning, it's like, will people even want to work with me? Will people like this small idea? And then as you start testing that and you start, you know, building your authority and then, you know, the next thing that you're looking at, it always feels like, you could not be the cool kid at the table. I feel like in food, that's a big thing. Something that I'm just kind of seeing right now in general of like, who's the, who are the cool people? Are you invited? And so I honestly, like, I think at the end of the day, like with all of it, you have to kind of remember too, that even the people who you really want to approve of you, they also want other people to approve of them. Like, They don't have it all figured out, even if they think they do. And I think it's hard to remember that you're not the one who's like so desperate for everybody else to accept you that we all have that no matter like if it's no matter how big or small that may be. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I so agree with that. So during all of your experience with acting and improv and all of that, how did you get past it? Because I loved what you said about like, you have to get back on stage. You have to either pivot or at least finish, right? Mm -hmm. So you had to have learned some lessons along the way. So can you just kind of talk us through some of those? Yeah. So I remember a show that I had. So I did improv at the Second City in Hollywood. So for those people who don't know, The Second City is the world's largest improv and sketch comedy theater. And the first theater was in Chicago. They have multiple theaters. So I went through a one-year conservatory program in L.A. And one of the the goal of the conservatory is at the end of the year, you have written a one-act Second City-style review with your ensemble. So that is heavy in social and political satire, recognizable human behavior, things you see on Saturday Night Live. A lot of people who have come out of Second City go on SNL. And so it's a lot of workshopping bad things. I mean, (laughs) 
things that you thought were so good and they are literally so bad. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember one show in particular and it was like my whole team, like we just all knew like that was really bad. That wasn't good at all. The audience wasn't excited. And my teacher just said, he was like, listen, it could always be better and it could always be worse. Mm. And ever since then, it was like, okay, okay. So no matter what you think, it it's normally isn't really true, right? So we're always so much harder on ourselves. And I think that that has been a phrase that's just stuck in my head for so long because I think as a creative or somebody who's starting a business, you want it to be perfect. There's always this level of perfectionism, even if we pretend that there isn't. So just accepting that like, it could always be, yeah, I could be, I could have done better and I could have done a lot worse. Yeah. So it's great that I was just showing up and it's like, some of it too is a lot of just having the audacity. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this in Big Magic where she was getting just rejection letter after rejection letter for essays and short stories. And (laughs) I'm paraphrasing, but she said something along the lines of like, I took their rejections as like permission to reach out to them again of like, oh, you think that I'm just going to like go away? Absolutely not. I'm going to continue to send you things. And I think that, you know, it might seem (laughs) some of it comes across as like a little delusional, but I think you (laughs) have to be a little bit to do, you know, whatever it is creatively or starting a business, you have to kind of have this a little bit of, you're not like in touch with reality sometimes just because if, you are just so grounded in like the literal things that are happening in front of you. You're not allowed to like dream outside of that rejection. And like, normally it's on the other side of just like one or two yeses. What's the line? Something about if you you're delusional until it works and then you're brilliant or something like that. Mm -hmm. It's so true. If you look back in history at all the people who have done really big things before they accomplished those things, they were seen as being totally bonkers, nuts, right? You're like, what were they thinking trying to achieve that? Mm-hmm. But then once they did it, they were success stories. So you can be the same. It's We all know what we have in us to accomplish something. So I love the word that you used, audacity, like have the audacity to believe that and just keep trying or keep asking or keep doing whatever it is that you know you need to keep doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's hard too, because it's easy to hear stories of other people who have, you know, had a really hard time. And then all of a sudden everything like yeah. worked out. And when you're in it, you can't see that. But I think that we can all look back at like times where maybe we were rejected or something wasn't necessarily working out and how, you know, a little bit of time or a little, a redirection kind of, you know, reset and made everything like better. And I think that because, you know, we, we all have those things. So maybe it was like a very small event and it doesn't even have to be business related, but we've all had like something where it's like, this didn't really work out the way that I thought it would, but maybe it ended up okay. Or maybe it didn't. What could I learn from that? But I think when you're putting yourself like 
in somebody else's shoes also sometimes when you hear these other stories. Sometimes it feels like, oh, but they're so much better than I am. Mm-hmm. They're they're superhuman. And then it's like, no, they're not. <laughs> right? No, that's a good point. You think like, okay, well, yeah, they did eventually succeed, but they're different than I am. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. They were merely humans as well. And they were just like us, right? Just like us. And like, I remember hearing this story of Abraham Lincoln and how, and I'm probably getting for my history buffs, I might be getting some of these details wrong. So please don't, <laughs> don't be yelling don't send at me. Amanda emails. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he had run for all kinds of different offices. So, and I think that they, they varied as far as like from the state level to even some local elections and he had lost a lot and it just looked like you are a complete loser. And I think it was like the year before he won the presidency, he had run for, it was some, I think it was something in the state. I don't know if it was like the governorship or whatever, but he lost it by like a lot. And then the next year he was president. And so I remember hearing this talk and they were like, you know, sometimes you're knocking on the right door. It's just the wrong time. And that resonated with me so much just because sometimes we think that if some of these things aren't working, so if people aren't just, it's an emphatic yes, that that means that we shouldn't even show up. But there had to, you know, I think about Abraham Lincoln. I'm like, well, obviously there was something with not only within him, but in his circle, the people who he's really talking to, the people who really know him and what he really wants to do. That was like, nope, you should keep going. This is maybe, so maybe we don't do the state level thing. Now we're just going to go even bigger. Yes. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Not like go back, but go more, do more. Yeah. I mean, like, this is the thing. Everybody is making it up. <laughs> There's no rules. And it, as much as we think that there are, you know, where it's like someone tells you no so that you, you know, decide, like, let's say somebody doesn't really love your business idea. Like, I mean, honestly, people, I tell them, oh, you know, I'm I'm a cookbook coach. And they're like, that's even a thing. And I'm like, yeah, because mm-hmm. I decided that it was a thing. <laughs> I mean, podcasting wasn't like a job for so long. I mean, people make, you know, you have to kind of make those opportunities for yourself. But I think that there are always like little signals along the way of, you know, if you have this thing that you are so passionate about, you believe there's a need for it. People really need it, want it, desire it. You believe you are the best person to deliver that because of your unique point of view. This goes for a business, a book, whatever. You really have to be committed to it. I think it's when you're not super committed to yourself, that's when you really fail. Hmm. When it's other people who are guiding or you're, when you're allowing other people to guide you, right? Yeah, and sometimes you are literally the only person along the way who can see or feel those little signals. Mm-hmm. And we can get so thrown off course by, even if it's one trusted person, like a spouse or a family member who you love and trust, who says, oh, I don't know, Megan, starting a podcast for food bloggers, I think that's probably not a good idea. 
that can throw us off and completely stop us from even starting. 100%. And I don't know what your experience has been, but I have a, I would say I have a pretty supportive, like, you know, family, you know, friends, but there's also this level where there's mm, a little bit of like a, just a misunderstanding about what it is you really want to be doing, the importance of even small things, networking, or even something like this, you know, it's like, oh, that's cool. (laughs) It's like, yeah, (laughs) uh, it's a little bit more than cool. Thank you. But sometimes the people who are closest to you actually can't see like the full picture. And so that's also sometimes when you'd have to have the audacity to be like, I don't care what you are saying. And I believe that this is a thing because I see other people doing it or, you know, you open up your circle, but yeah, it can be really isolating when, I mean, there's times where I've been like, am I totally delusional? Like, am I, this is, am I, is this really a thing that I should be doing? I'm sure you have that same thing. (laughs) I feel you so much on that. Hello, food bloggers. Let's take a few moments here to chat about Rank IQ. You've heard me talk so much about this tool since I found it a few years ago. It just never gets old talking about it, and it continues to help me steadily grow my blog traffic year over year over year. In addition to that very significant benefit, there are other things I love about it that kind of fly under the radar and that I don't mention enough. So I want to mention some of those things here. One, you can click the orange plus sign next to each keyword in order to add it to your very own personal keyword library for easy access later. This makes storing and sorting through keywords a breeze. Two, did you know that you don't have to find a keyword in the tool in order to run it through the optimizer? A report can be run on any keyword under the sun and the optimizer in Rank IQ is the best ever. And three, all of your optimized reports are saved on your home screen and you are able to archive reports that you are done with. I love the organization inside the tool. And most importantly, I love the simplicity of the data presented. I never feel overwhelmed by it. Go to rankiq.com to check all of this out for yourself. Now back to the episode. I have a very supportive husband and family and they, they really try. Like my husband gets it more than anyone, but like extended family, they really try. I can see it. We were just with my husband's family over the weekend and they were, (laughs) I could tell they're so curious about my business and like really supportive, but they really just, they're, I think you said the word misunderstanding. Like there's just, they really don't understand. They're trying and they're like, oh, okay. So I'm talking about like, they're asking about my team and who, who works for me and does what. And I was telling them and they were just like, I think someone said, why would you so you think it's worth it to hire people to do your work for you? And I was like, yeah, 100% because it opens up time for this and this. And I'm like, oh, and why do you do that? And that, like, there is just not a grasping of it, but that's okay too. Like, I don't expect them to be in my brain and my soul and understand it, but it, it can be very lonely and isolating and feel like I am so misunderstood as well. Yeah. And you also like hit it too, that it's okay that they don't understand. I used to get really offended in some ways. Yeah, it's easy to do that. I mean, you know, you can hurt your own feelings all the time. Yes, (laughs) exactly. you know, people, a lot of like what like we're doing and even like the folks listening, it's 
pretty, it's still pretty new. It's not something that a lot of people like grew up with. And so it's, I mean, we're also figuring this, like a lot of these things out too. So if somebody isn't familiar with it, like it's completely understandable that it'd be like, oh, I don't really understand how like things online work. You know, sometimes when I ask my family members, I'm like, do you know like what it is that I do? And I'm, and I say that like, if I'm not explaining it, please let me know. Cause I would love right. for you to be able to understand more. And sometimes I think that they get nervous about trying to explain it. Cause if they're going to get it wrong and I'm like, literally there's just no wrong answer. I just want to make sure like if I'm not being clear. So there's like a, a weird rejection on their side too yeah. of like, Oh, I'm supposed to know these things. And it's like, I mean, sure. But a lot of us don't don't even know. I don't even, I don't even know. It's hard. We talked about this last time too, where it's hard to explain what it is that you do. And sometimes you get exhausted. And I think that, you know, even as we're talking about rejection, sometimes it feels like you've probably had a conversation with people before they didn't get it. That felt like rejection. So then it also kind of taints future conversations you have with people, or it might limit the scope of your conversation with someone in the future and you're not really giving them, you know, the opportunity to kind of step into what it is that you're doing. Like I've been surprised by people who I thought like, oh, I'm going to tell them I do this thing and they're never going to get it. And it's the people who I, I judge, to be honest, even like family members sometimes, like extended family. And they're like, nope, totally get it. 100%. Oh. That's so cool. And I'm like, oh. That feels so good, doesn't it? Oh, that's <laughs> the best really feeling. Awesome. Your whole, like your eyes light up. You're like, really? <laughs> you do? Yeah. Yeah, that feels good. And I love, okay, so what you said made me think of something. So we're defining rejection as something that carries over into future conversations or interactions. Mm -hmm. So maybe what we need to do is redefine rejection and like it's misunderstanding or it's love or it's something else so that we have more grace for it in the future. Yeah. And, you know, I've also, I mean, there's a saying that it's like rejection is, you know, and you can insert whatever your belief is, but like, is God's protection, universe, whatever. But I think that when we think of rejection, we think of it as like a hard stop, like a hard no. And I honestly just see it as an opportunity. So, you know, and and this happens too a lot with clients or even, you know, when you think of like folks who are starting a business, when you first have to like start reaching out to people, and creating a network and maybe like pitching yourself places and, you know, building that authority. If somebody says, no, thanks, I'm not interested in this guest post. I'm not interested in this collaboration. I don't have time for coffee. Thanks so much. It can definitely feel like, oh, I should just stop trying because these people who I deem as more important than me don't want to give me the time of day, you know, I, this is, this is really like, this should be the end of the road for me. I think that you should just always kind of, you know, step into like the shoes of somebody else too, where it's like, so if you're, it's a family member who doesn't understand or a friend or something like, okay, so how can I also learn like where that disconnect is, where that misunderstanding is. If you're reaching out to someone who you would love to work with and they don't have the time or it's not the right fit. Okay. So like, what could I learn from that? Like, 
Is it just not a good fit overall? If they don't have the time, what's a way that I could also provide something to them so that, you know, it would be an easier yes. I just feel like there's always something that we can learn and that the doors never really shut. And I think it's also in our responses that kind of dictates whether it was like a true rejection or if it was just like in our heads, that framing is really important. And interpretation too. We could be mm-hmm. interpreting something completely misaligned. Like it could be simply, you know, something's going on in their business and mm-hmm. there's a change in management. Like we have mm-hmm. no idea sometimes what is going on when we interpret it as rejection. So just keeping that in mind too. Oh, 100%. Like when I worked at Cooking Light, I would get pitched by a lot of PR companies. And normally that would just happen because I had, I was like a, I was a fellow. So I think very smartly and people should use this too. Some of the publicists would actually reach out to me knowing that the editors were going to be harder to reach. So they would pitch me. And then obviously I had to go to an editor to pitch something. So also if you're looking to pitch stories, find like a, a junior level editor to pitch to, you might have better success, but there would be publicists who would just, they are relentless and they don't care. They're going to continue to show up in your inbox and continue to do this thing over and over and over. But also like they were so gracious, you know, with the, you know, it's not the right fit. They're like, okay, you know, no worries. I would be happy to send you more things. Like, There is just such a lesson in responses to a no. (laughs) And I think, and I think too, it's like, cause sometimes, you know, like even at cooking line, it was like, oh, this would be like so great, but it's not the right fit for the season. You know, we have a similar story to this, but we'll think of you for future things. Like sometimes it really, like, there's not this emotion of, I think we imagine someone's like, they're terrible. They suck. I would never want to work with them. And normally it's really not like that. Yeah. So when we're faced with rejection of any kind, what do you recommend is like our initial kind of go to, I don't know, redirect or whatever, like something that veers us off the course of going down that awful path of just being rejected and oh my gosh, everything that that means, how do we stop it in its tracks before it gets ugly? Yeah. So I think the first thing to do one is like, remember who you are. And that sounds so simple, but honestly, like you have to remember like why you're showing up in the first place and like why you were even doing that thing. And I, so I'll kind of give you an example, like, like uh, maybe like five years ago or something I was, I had applied for this job and I was doing like a test uh, test project for them and I would be writing copy for some of their clients and then I didn't get the job. And But the response was, this makes me laugh just because <laughs> I had already worked at Cooking Light. This was like, I was, this was a, a copywriting job, which copywriting is different than editorial, but still. And the feedback was basically that my skills weren't up to par for the work that they were doing. And I copied a lot of the things that I did in that test project from things 
that they had on their blog, just as far as the style and what type of content would be included. And it was the meanest letter like I have ever, I have ever gotten. And I remember like for a moment, I was like, I wanted to cry. And then I, I just was like, no, I remember who I am. I've already done this and I've done this and I've done this. And I know I'm a good writer. I know that this was probably just not the right fit. I know that they're looking for something that I'm not. And I I think that that only really happened because I've just been rejected so much. So there is a point like you have to put yourself out there, right? You have to jump out of the plane. You have to do the thing because you're never going to know how to get over rejection if you're not rejected, And I think that there is just this light bulb that honestly turns at a certain point after you've just put out enough letters and I, you know, like you, you put out enough things, you apply to, you know, enough jobs or whatever it is where you're like, no, it's, it's okay that they said no, because I already know, like, yes, I have the skills. Yes. I have the aptitude. Maybe it wasn't a right fit for these other things, but I know who I am and it will be the right fit for someone And literally the next day, I got a job as a content coach for this marketing agency. And so I was not only writing, but I was overseeing and training other writers. So it's that's just the funny thing, too, is like (laughs) you're you could literally like I was literally told basically you suck. You you're you're writing is not to par. And then I'm literally like being hired to write and then coach copywriters for a marketing agency, like within the span of two days. So as much, like, I think you, you give yourself that moment to feel whatever you need to feel, but then you also like need to step into, no, like take what, take what you need. Like you have to be open to whatever, like critical feedback. But I think that we're also, we're also, able to figure out who's giving constructive feedback and who's just like giving you feedback with no tact. Mm. Oh my gosh. So much good stuff there. Oh, so yeah, you don't know how to get over this until you experience it. So seeing that as just a requirement (laughs) to get past this and to learn and grow, right? So when you experience rejection, see it as that at minimum, just like, okay, I am learning, I am growing. And eventually you will be able to do what you've done, Amanda, and just like, okay, I know who I am. I know this isn't me. I know this person doesn't know me. I know my heart, my soul. And you can move past it and it gets easier, right? As you go. Yeah. And I, I also think too, that there's something that we have decided where if somebody says no, it's because we're really bad. And I think of all of those, I don't know if you've seen it like on Instagram, but there will be these little stories of, oh, so-and-so was up for this part in this movie. And you'll see, you know, maybe their audition tape or something. I saw something recently. I think it was Leonardo DiCaprio was up for Ryan Gosling's part in The Notebook. And I don't think anyone would say that Leo is not a good actor, right? 
But when I think of Noah in the notebook, that is oh, Ryan Gosling all day, every day. Yeah. I was like, oh, I can't imagine anyone else there. <laughs> right. But also there's roles that Leo has that, you know, I mean, listen, I love Ryan Gosling so much, but you know, there's like a, they have their place and I, I don't think that it's, you know, one is better than the other, but I think of something like that where it's like, you have all of these people who are super talented and you just got to find your spot. And I don't think that Leo's like, Oh my gosh, that was the one role that like, I, you know, just really like destroyed me. And I, I never went out on another audition. Like, you know, as, as if we want to like tie it back to, you know, my acting and comedy experience, you were literally just going up against people who look exactly like you. You're in the same room with people who you've seen a hundred times in other auditions. So you really have to kind of build up this thing of like, who am I? How am I going to make people, and even if it doesn't work out, remember me? Like that was a thing too, especially in LA when you're going on auditions, a lot of times it's just that you, even if you didn't get it, you saw it as an opportunity to meet the casting director, to meet people who are in the room, to be a familiar face because people hire people who they know. And if you don't keep showing up in inboxes or at events or wherever, how are people going to know you? Oh. That's true. And it's it can be hard to stand out in a sea of how who knows how many people they encounter, right? But mm-hmm. be you, be your authentic self and let yourself shine. Yes. And like, listen, be a weirdo. I tell my <laughs> clients this like all the time where they're afraid to have opinions or they're afraid that something that they write is like a little weird or off. And I hear this from like my friends who are agents or work in publishing houses. And this was also a thing as an actor, but it's like, make a choice, make a bold choice, even if it's wrong, even if you decide, you know, afterwards that you're going to redirect a little bit, be bold with whatever it is, because so many people, when they're reaching out to people or they're starting their business, they're starting their creative stuff. They want to, they think blending in is the way to get to where they want to go. And it's like, stop looking at everyone else's paper. You know, like you have something that you want to say that's unique to you. Stop trying to anticipate what people are going to like. Because the thing is, is that people don't know what they're going to like until it's in front of their face. So you have to take a chance with something and see what the response is. And then, you know, you just keep readjusting and resetting. But just be when, and I, when I say be you and be a weirdo, we're all weirdos, you know, we, all. we are. <laughs> and that's what people like. That's what they identify with. Yeah, it is the weird things. They're like, oh, that's like the skydiving thing. Mm-hmm. That's different. Oh, I can relate to that. You know, like putting those things out there and being bold enough to do so can pay off. 100%. And I think that it makes me so sad that people are afraid to show who they really are because they're afraid that people aren't going to like them. And with all the love in my heart, not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone likes me. <laughs> you know, 
how like it it sounds sometimes it can just sound harsh because even as adults I think we still you know you have a a desire to belong you have a desire for people to really like you but there's going to be people who are your people who are so excited about the things that you are doing. And if you're starting a business or writing a book or whatever it is, it's your responsibility to find them. Like it's not their responsibility to find you. And so that does require us to show up even when it's uncomfortable. Like I'm sure that a lot of the stuff you've done, Megan, hasn't been super comfortable. Oh gosh, no. (laughs) You know, like... I mean, all of the things that you do, you know, it's it's taking a chance of, you know, inviting people to show up, to listen, to read, to participate, which can also feel really lonely. And I'm sure that there's times where and I don't know, I don't want to like speak for you, but I wonder if you also feel times where you're like, am I just talking, you know, into the void? Is anyone paying attention? Oh, so true. Yeah. All the time. And that's why I appreciate like any bits of feedback that I get. I'm like, okay, good. Yes. Yes, this matters. It it just feels good to get that confirmation sometimes because mm-hmm. I do I go through seasons where I do feel like just speaking for the podcast alone, that I'm having all these amazing in-depth, wonderful, valuable conversations. And I wonder, is this is this worth it? Like are is this making a difference for people? And so yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I was listening to something the other day where a woman who I followed for years, she's like shutting down her business and she's stopping her podcast. And she said that she just felt for a long time that she was kind of talking into a vacuum and wasn't really sure if it did matter. And so, and it made me think like, and I have been like a, I love commenting on people's stuff or sending them notes and saying like, thank you so much for what you do, leaving podcast reviews, you know, be the person who, who does that, who shows support for other people, just because I know what it feels like to not hear anything. Like sometimes it's just like one note that could totally change someone's whole, whole perspective for their year. You know, when you say like, Hey, I just want to say like, I I've seen, I've, I've seen what you've been doing and I think it's really cool. Like that's changed a lot for me. Like I've had that recently just with a couple of things and I'm like, oh my gosh, people are paying attention. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. It really does mean a lot. And I occasionally do put outreaches on Instagram. Like, will you please leave a review and a rating? It goes so far when I see a review that's good. It really does make everything I do worth it. It's Mm -hmm. not just you know, like feeling my ego or whatever, like it, it's such a little time investment for people that goes such a long way. Yeah. And like, I'm just a big believer too. And like, be the thing that you want to. So if you really want people to see you for the work that you're doing and for them to share the word about, you know, how you've impacted their life or whatever it is, like, then do that for other people. So that's something that I've been working on, you know, even if it's commenting on people's, you know, substacks or responding to their email newsletters or just sending them, you know, a quick message of like, hey, just I've been seeing this, really love this for you. Just small words of encouragement because I I think that then it also 
kind of reminds you that other people are just trying to like, sometimes I've done that and people are like, Oh my gosh, I didn't even think anybody was paying attention. I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm not the only one. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. So true. So many good nuggets. I think we could go on probably forever and ever, Amanda. It's always (laughs) so much fun to talk to you. Get, Get a little bit lost in the conversation, but that's a good thing. Do you have final, just like a final takeaway or maybe anything we missed touching on along the lines of rejection before we start saying goodbye? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I I just want people to like walk away with is rejection is just going to happen over and over. And it's going to be in different ways that you probably like aren't going to expect. So sometimes it might be somebody taking really long to get back to you in an email. Sometimes it might just be someone like passing on your idea or, you know, not wanting to meet up with you. And I say the the meet up with you is like more like, you know, this networking thing where we're always like reach out to so-and-so and do these collaborations and build your, build your community. And at the end of the day, no matter who responds to you, no matter what kind, you know, events you have on your calendar, there is a reason why you are so passionate about this idea. There is a reason why you can't let it go. And you have the audacity to just keep Mm -hmm. believing that it'll be a thing. And so whatever it is that you have to do every day to show up, even just in the smallest way, even if it's you just telling yourself, like, keep going, you got this. You have to be the one to, like, keep showing up and doing the work because no one else is going to do it for you. But just also know that you're definitely not alone. And so... As you're showing up, also, I would do the thing that I had just said of like commenting on other people's things, reaching out to people and being the support for someone else that you're looking for. And I promise you that support's going to come back around because anytime I've wanted something like community, I've just reached out to other people and I'm like, hey, I really love this thing that you're doing. I would love to hear more. I would love to hear how I could support you. And you know what? Those people have then supported me. So have that audacity. And then also like just give credit where credit is due. And then those people honestly will be the ones who propel you forward because no one does any of this alone. I am so inspired after talking to you. Thank you for all of this. I am just inspired to go tell all those people that, you know, like we all throughout the day, you think like, oh, so-and-so does such a great job at this. I should reach out. And do we ever do it? I don't know. I do sometimes, but not all the time. Mm-hmm. So now I just feel inspired to actually follow through with those things. And yeah, this was so great. Thank you so much, Amanda. You're welcome. I'm, I mean, thank you for even just honestly, like letting me come back. <laughs> Oh, of course. Because I, I also lose track in our conversations and I love it because it's, it's so nice to be able to talk to somebody who I just feel like gets it and Mm. you don't have to over explain yourself where in other areas you feel like, oh my gosh, I have to tell you all of the things because you're not going to understand what I'm saying. Feeling understood is so important for entrepreneurs who just, yeah, typically feel misunderstood and work alone. So yes, anytime, come back. You're a (laughs) welcome repeat guest. (laughs) Love it. Do you have a favorite quote or words of inspiration to end on? I know I asked you that before. So if you want to pass, feel free. No, I always have words. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so going in with our theme of rejection and just kind of having the audacity, I'll, I'll tell another improv story real quick. There was a point when I was at Second City and I was working through stuff with my ensemble and I was not having fun. I was showing up and I was doing the things, but it wasn't great. And my director was having meetings, like one-on-one meetings with everyone. And he goes, hey, so uh, you're not having fun. And I was Mm -hmm. like, I felt like (laughs) attacked because I thought I was doing my best to hide it. And I was like, no. He goes, do you want to know why? And I said, sure. And he goes, because you're playing everyone else's game. And it like stopped me. And I was like, oh, you're right. Because every time I go on stage, and this was strictly just for improv, so you're supposed to say yes and to what everyone else is doing, but I was just kind of in the background. And he said, for our next show, I want you to make them play your game. And Megan, I I don't remember what I did, but I know that at the beginning of the show, I threw myself in the middle of the stage and I just started screaming (laughs) and they just had to like figure it out. And... (laughs) So then afterwards, my teacher came up to me and he was so, he was, he makes me laugh so hard, but he just had this big, the biggest smile on his face. And he was like, how much fun was that? And I was like, yeah. And so that like, stop playing everyone else's game, make them play your game every now and then, like whenever you feel like you don't really have control over things or, (laughs) you know, you're just, you're wondering if any of this matters Like, stop trying to play everyone else's game. Stop looking at somebody else's paper. Stop trying to be a carbon copy of somebody else and just play your own game. And whatever that looks like, and you just trust that you'll be able to figure it out if, you know, your game (laughs) is getting a little wild. But that's, those are, those are some, some words that have like stuck with me for years and I have to come back to them. I love those words. And this is the reason why I don't know if I say this a lot here on the podcast, but this is why I don't listen to my competitors. Ooh. I just don't. Not because I don't like them or Mm -hmm. I think they're doing a bad job. I just don't want to play their game without thinking about it. Mm -hmm. So I don't even go there. I just play my own game. Mm -hmm. And I I get what they're saying from other people. So I get like third-party, you know, like here's what's happening over here, that sort of thing. But I don't directly listen. So I think, yeah. That aligns with that. I love that. Okay, we'll put together show notes for you, Amanda, a second version. So head to eblogtalk.com forward slash Amanda Pollock 2 if you want to listen to that. And you have one L in your name, correct? Yes. Yes, one L, C-K. So tell everyone where they can find you, Amanda. Yes. So please come find me, amandapollock.com. I have all kinds of things over on my website, additional resources. I have a five-day free video course called Writing Gold, which is a email marketing course that is sneakily really meant to just get you started with your cookbook writing. You can also come find me on Instagram at Amanda Pollock. Always open to making new connections and friends. Awesome. Well, thanks again so much, Amanda, for this amazing conversation. And thank you for listening, food bloggers. I will see you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Eat Blog Talk. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd be so grateful if you posted it to your social media feed and stories. I will see you next time.